Do you want to know my re- my revelation for the weekend? What was your revelation for the weekend? My revelation for the weekend is that Jordan Peele, yeah, our favourite fanboy, yeah. is he he uh, he does I think his voices in Captain Underpants. All right, <laughs> right. Which is what Walter's favourite thing is. And I was like, oh, well, I, I could show you some other stuff with Jordan Peele. <laughs> <laughs> just, just get those therapy sessions in earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just like a call for Steph saying, why is Walter running about the house in a red jumpsuit singing I've Got Five on it with a pair of scissors in his hand? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Real Good Podcast, episode 11. I'm leading the heist this week, well, joined by me, Danny Ocean, in the form of Mr. Rushy. Uh, how you doing, mate? Good evening, everyone. Uh, I'm going with a, a kind of gender neutral right. thing. Fair. Just, just to, you know. On the level. Being close of that. Networking about. On, on the level. Yeah. A man of few words. Good. Um, a little less conversation. More action, please. Say more. Ocean's level. Oh, so. um, uh, Mate, how have you been this week? You good? You feeling wonderful? I'm excellent, man. I'm excellent. I'm, uh, you know, living the same fabulous life we have been for the past few while. You know, we're not going to go any, any further. You know, I go, I go out. The four walls are treating you fine, yeah? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's good on a Thursday when I go to take the bins out and everybody starts clapping when I go to take the bin out. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I love that. You know, I feel like stars in your eyes. I feel like Matthew Kelly's going to be in the drive waiting for me. <laughs> There's a scary image. Um, <laughs> uh, but, right. Well, that's good, mate, because... As well, shock horror. We've talked. We say this every week. We go, strangely, film news is still happening, and yet again this week we've been treated very well. Um, a lot of stuff been going on. It's a Rolling Stone. It is a, still going. It is still going. Um, we've watched a lot. We've talked about a lot. But this week, the biggest sort of thing that got us dead, dead excited um, was that Taika Waititi is set to direct the new Star Wars film, of which we don't know the name of. Very excited. We don't know anything. We don't know anything. Much. We know nothing. John Snow. All we know is it's set in a galaxy far, far that away. That is the specific location. Oh, don't, don't remind me of that series, please, <laughs> please. Sorry, sorry. I would be binge watching that right now if it wasn't for the last season. All right. I know. I was thinking about it today. I saw a clip of it and thought, "Oh, Game of Thrones, it was really good." But we digress. Let's focus. So, why do you not run in a zigzag, you daft little cunt? Run in a zigzag. Everyone, pretty much everyone screamed at the TV when that happened. Um, but yeah, oh, I come know. on. Moving on. Um, So yeah, Taika Waititi, man, set to direct a new Star Wars film. We don't know the name, we don't know what it's about, all we know is that our boy is um, sat in the director's chair after... He's there. After what is... I I mean, you said said when we talked about it um, a few episodes ago, The Mandalorian, you really liked the series. I was a bit sort of ho-hum about it, but I will admit that his last episode, because he directed the the, the final episode for the first season of Mandalorian on Disney+, and I'm guessing... That was him getting his foot in the door for someone to go. Look, you just want the keys to your own film. Um, what's what's your thoughts on this, mate? So, I, I I would I would say first of all about Mandalorian. I enjoyed it. Didn't go pure over the top like everybody did about it. I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I think we're perhaps getting to Marvel stages of you know there is a lot of Star Wars stuff coming out, and is it going to be difficult to keep up with a lot yeah. of it? And is the quality level going to be 
keeping up there. However, judging by Clone Wars, that's just sort of wrapping up. Oh, it's, it's good. It's good. Yeah. It's like a fine steak dinner. You know, doesn't come along every so often, but see when you do get one. Oh, it was worth it. You go have, you go animal on it for <laughs> half hour. No talk, no talking. Love heads down. Um. So so, I'm 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 thinking he's obviously going to do something extra special. What I'd be interested yeah. to I mean, he's had a great year. <laughs> he's had, yeah, he's all right. He's got a shiny Oscar on his shelf somewhere. Um, I think I, th- <laughs> I think what's weird about it, though, mate, is like, and, and no sort of um, negative towards him in terms of what he's done so far. I think Jojo Rabbit is the closest he's done to a comedy that had some actual emotional depth to it. Like the, the, the final act of that film sort of hits you quite heavily. Um, and was a strong suggestion. And I suppose Mandalorian, to an extent, had some serious elements in it. It did get a bit somber um, in the final episode. Mm. Do you like how much into the dark side do you want him to lean, or would you prefer a prime, top quality Taika Waititi film, i.e., Ragnarok? Like, what what's your palette hungry for? So you've got the ideal background there. You've got Ragnarok, which is the the big spectacle movie. Yeah. So you're going to have the big spectacles, and as is with any Star Wars movie, um, of any type. Uh, please let it be another Christmas special. I want to see Ewoks in my life again. <laughs> anyway, on the flip side of that, you know, what better way to, you know, tight a tightrope walk of you know Jojo Rabbit, which is about a comedy about Hitler being your imaginary best pal. That is a very tight tightrope to yeah. walk, and I would say that people who work within the Star Wars sphere mm-hmm. realm death star would you know have to walk that tightrope so i feel it's going to be it's going to have the his stamp well and truly on it i don't think he would sign up to anything that's going to be running the mill or just just another movie as as that title of very poor early 2000s comedy <laughs> parodies was called but he's he's not the only reason to be excited you know about this potential powerhouse movie coming our way yeah exactly because the big i mean the big thing that was people would get getting equally excited about is that um the sort of not only is he directing it but he's also writing it and he's writing it alongside uh, christy wilson kearns who wrote 1917 and edgar wright's upcoming film last night in soho and along she just loves doing the road <laughs> <laughs> um, i see her in the, in the paper i get i see her in the mo- in the, the shop in the morning getting her rolled. <laughs> what Sorry, it's just because she's in Glasgow, do you know what I mean? Everybody, everybody in Glasgow knows... Everybody Everyone's Glasgow connected. Um, but also... Everybody's connected. Everyone as well, in, in addition to that, um, Leslie Headland, who wrote uh, Russian Dollar Netflix and Bachelorette, she's also, like, down to write. So it's a really interesting combination because 1917, we've discussed in the past, was more of an endurance test than anything. Um, and to hit that sort of balance with... Taika Waititi's like off the wall und, you know kookiness essentially um, is a really interesting combination I'm just I can't believe it's happening mate and I just I'm my only concern is that you know I don't know how you left with like Rise of Skywalker but it it, it sort of left me a bit like not looking forward to to the future of Star Wars which is a sad thing to say um, yeah and I think the three the three newer movies didn't really kind of go down well with a lot of people. But turn your brain off, you can still enjoy yeah. them. And I get the impression from this that between the two of them, mm. that there's going to be perhaps 
a movie about a certain bounty hunter or a certain, you know, helmed man, perhaps. Right. Because, and this is, this is my theory, right? Okay. This is my theory. <laughs> Obviously, with T.E. likes to go out there, you know, with his kind of, like, sort of sphere of, of, of directing and so on, and Ragnarok shows that. Right, okay. And then you've... In 1917, you've not got a lot of dialogue, right? So everything has to be quite, quite, you know, punchy, snappy, drive the the, the plot. Visual, forward. essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Essentially that as well. Uh, so f- between the two elements, bounty hunter movie could be Boba Fett, right? Or Django Fett. So, so the interesting you know I mean? thing there is just one of the Fets or all of them. The, give, give us some Fett. Um, uh, Rushy's got a fetish. Oh! <laughs> in addition to that, I'm out clapping again. It's not even eight o'clock on a Thursday. In addition to that, news got out this week that um, in links to the Mandalorian, there's also news that um, potentially uh, Boba Fett will be returning because uh, Hollywood Reporter have reported, as they do, um, that Tamora Morrison, who was in Aquaman and was Jango Fett in the original prequel in the prequels for Attack of the Clones, is. Yep. on the cards to be Boba Fett. Now, I don't... That's not been 100% confirmed. All we know is he's back into it. So I suppose it could lead into what you're talking about and theorising that, you know, he could be doing a Bounty Hunter film. I I don't know, man. Like, I'm just excited whatever he does. Um, I think I'm just glad that for a guy that was really not looking forward to anything they had planned Star Wars-wise on the big screen from, from what was left... This is one thing that will pull me back in. Um, we'll just see. Uh, but then, I don't... then again, names don't make it all, don't it? You know what I mean, names do not make it all. Well, what, what you don't think? You don't think his name is enough, or what? No. What I mean by that is, you can put a name in a movie, right? right? Doesn't mean it's going to be automatically dog shit, or it's going to be automatically great. Yeah. yeah. It could be his, his I mean, first misfire. I you don't know. Couldn't have told you Matt, who Matt Reeves was. Mm. And then you said, you should watch this trilogy. Mm. And I'm like, Matt Reeves is a fucking man. Let's see Batman. You know what I mean? Like, on the flip side of that, you have guys that do, you know, Justice League, Batman versus Superman. Mm. You know, maybe the the, the creme de la creme. I know there's obviously issues. It goes other ways. Problems happen. Superman's got a moustache. A lot of issues. And it just doesn't doesn't make a good movie. Yeah, I mean, we can only wait and see. I think so far, though, that combination's great. I just can't wait to to find out what it is actually um, he's going to do. But yeah, we can... And what I would say... Go on. ...is people always need to be positive. Yeah, 100%. Be positive until you go and see it. Yeah. I think the only time you... Because I was somebody that was negative... And I'd, I'm, I'm over oh, it. The only, the only time you should have the opportunity to be negative is when you walk out of it and if it's actually done the job, um, which hopefully Mr. Watiti's next Star Wars film will And be. even then it should be constructive yeah, and not just you bitching on Twitter. <laughs> but that's that's the way everyone goes, mate. Did you not know? Did you not get the memo? That's the usual thing you've got to do. Well, do you know something? Times they are changing, as a great man once yes. said, and that's the first thing it needs to change. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. On to, on to the next big news. Anyway. Um, because the future second thing that I'm most excited about because <laughs> we're going to talk about, if we've been talking about the future and our predictions of stuff one thing we never expected is that we'd see Sylvester Sloan pick up three seashells again uh, because during a Q&A on Instagram last week he just casually mentioned it like he was he just said he'd gone down to the shops to get some milk um, hopefully in his hour of quar- uh, free free time that he's allowed out um, apparently Universal yeah they're just thinking about a Demo Man sequel um, and it looks fantastic. Just let it just, out there. Just dropped it. Just don't give a shit. 
Like just driving up. Now, admittedly, if you if you think about Stallone's sort of repertoire of films, we've had Rambo, we've had Rocky. Demolition Man was probably not on my list of next next franchises to go back to purely because there wasn't it wasn't a franchise there was only one and it ended with uh wesley snipes getting does he get frozen am i right in saying he gets frozen and falls apart what happens yep. yeah yeah gets nasty gets a nasty chill should have put a jacket should have put a jacket on what's the benefit for doing outside? <laughs> mate your your love for this will probably be greater than mine what's your thoughts on this from from this getting announced i'm going to be controversial okay. it's my favorite stolen movie ever yeah. why i'm not a big rocky fan okay and surprisingly, I'm not a big Rambo fan. Right. I don't know what it is. I think maybe Rambo was already kind of out and considered to be past it because, like, Rambo 3 and all that had came out by the time I'd started getting into movies. And certainly, you know, once it started putting all that out, it was kind of like, Ugh. and then they just had to drive it even further into the dirt with, like, Rambo Last Blood and all yeah. that, which was, um, well, we just won't say any more about that. I just think it's a great movie, great concept. It's got Sandra Bullock in it looking fan. <laughs> great villain. Wesley Snipes yeah. just chewing the scenery up, man. Best best villain in Dungarees since Chucky. <laughs> um, Do you know what I mean? That's a that's a interesting I love shout. It. Yeah, I I remember watching it a few times as a kid, and I recall Rob Schneider and his stupid handshake. Can't have a movie with Stallone in it without Rob Schneider. Do you know what I mean? Of course. And um, yeah, and Stallone in a beret, Wesley Snipes in a museum throwing people through windows. I'll be interested to see how this pans out because. Looking back at that, that looks. Admittedly, I feel personally that Demolition Man looks like a date. Looks dated, um, more than like Judge Dredd, which was another futuristic. It's more now of a cult favorite than anything. But I'd be interested to see what what plans they've got. I doubt Sandra Bullock will be back, but it'd be, you know, how how does a man who's sort of I'm guessing he's now you know firmly established in the future. How has he adapted to it? And what nasty sort of new guy will he be facing up against? Um, just all it... He's also ancient, so I mean, what's what's going on? He's I mean? also ancient. Or, do you think? I mean, as yeah, or is it going to even start him? It might not start him. Possibly. He might just be direct director, or you know, executive producer or something, and they might get some new person in. Some new person. Um, some new person. Some new guy. Uh, to be disclosed. TBC. Yeah. You never know, mate. It's anyone's guess. Um, I just don't want like a direct to TV sort, of, well, direct to DVD sort of standard quality. Um, just because he's done quite a few of them, and they get a bit. I yeah. don't. I don't want him to end up like even Steven Scow. No, well, yeah, and like a Bruce, even to the point of Bruce Willis. Like Bruce Willis, you look at the films he's done recently, you're just like, mate, what's happened? Um, I watched a while ago Escape Plan, which I'd never seen either at the cinema or even when it came out um, on Blu-ray with you know Stallone and Arnie in, and that's yeah. the closest he's got to like the golden era of action films with him in, and then they followed it up with sequels that were just dire. And I don't want the... yeah, I was going to say is there not a couple of yeah, them? Yeah, there's a f- there's a few, and I don't want it to be that standard. We can only wait and see, but. Fingers crossed it's a good one. One thing that we know will be a certifiable banger, though, because we... Just give me it, give me it, no, <laughs> give me it, no, I want it. We both saw the trailer, and we're going to break from routine this week, folks, because it's not film-related, it's game-related, because The Last of Us 2 trailer came out, and... But it might as well be a movie. <laughs> Mate, 
I, the first one gives me feelings I didn't know I had. My, <laughs> my biggest fear is that my PlayStation will take off uh, when it starts, when it revs that game up. Um, that comes out, I think it's June. Um, and, oh my God, this is just... I'm sure they said June 17th. Yes. But if you want me to fact check that, I can do that for yeah, you. Yeah, go for it. So for those, uh, whilst Rushy checks, uh, for those that don't know, Last of Us, the original, the first game was uh, a PlayStation exclusive that came out, seems like, fucking centuries ago but his is still undeniably a staple in the gaming community by being thought of as one of the best games ever made um we actually talked about it a while back because hbo have snagged the rights to make a tv series that potentially might adapt the first game the second game has been a long time coming so anyway it's june the 19th, june the 19th. for the last of us to come out um mate i'm i'm buzzing for this because this is so just to put it in perspective so the the game the actual second installment got announced in 2016 so they've been hard at work for this for quite some time and the, the i think the expectation was that it was going to end up coming out on like PlayStation's next gen like the PS5 and thankfully i think it's going to give give the PlayStation 4 like a swan song because this just looks but you but you know what they're going to do what? you know what they're going to do they're going to release it on the PlayStation 4 yeah. And then they'll they'll remaster it and put it on the PlayStation Five. Fucking hell, mate! By the looks of it, do you really need to remaster that? If PlayStation Five comes. But I'm telling uh, you, because that's what they did with the first yeah. one. The first one came out on a uh, uh, PS3, then they put it on the PS4. Yeah, but there was a big gap between the between the releases of both. I think, from what I remember, and I, I don't know, but like looking at the trailer so far, it just looks beautiful. Um, for those, just geezer, just give me. Yeah, a, for those for those that don't know, the first it. game the first game focused on um, a pretty grisly pandemic. Uh, so sorry about that. And uh, saw a, a guy sort of reluctantly paired up with a girl who has got a secret that could turn the tide in this infection that's taken over the planet, and it's nasty. It turns people into nasty bitey folk. Um, and this, the, the with cauliflower faces, cauliflower faces. Yeah, they they are vegetables on a very different level. Um, it was. It's basically plants and zombies, wasn't it, mate? And this, this, the it second, was. the second game, like, is set four years later, and it just looks incredible. Exactly what Rushi said, like, cinematic on every scale. Um, and it just, I think, I'd love for when it finally comes out. I mean, because you've you've not got a PlayStation. I'm sure I've asked this numerous times. Is that right? Like. I've not got a PlayStation in the right, house, no, that's right. So I'd love it if, like, when it finally comes out, I actually have a crack at it and talk about it on the podcast and stuff because it's not my, it's not my usual forte to talk about games and whatnot. But this, this dude, I'm going to buy a PlayStation again <laughs> I need... just to get it. Walter, my son's got it because, like, he got he's got it up at his house because he likes playing Spider-Man, right. and I'm like, right, I need I need to sort my my priorities out because I've got all my PlayStation games sitting there. I want to play through Last of Us again. Yeah. I'm playing through Red Dead Redemption 2 just now on the Xbox. Once I'm finished doing that, PlayStation's getting bought. Mm. Playing through Last of Us 2, Last of Us again, and then I'm getting that Last of Us 2 addiction. <laughs> um, it's, yeah. It's going to be amazing. I think our podcast might be a bit delayed, to be honest, because it will just, it will take, it will consume our lives, and I'm happy for that to happen. Uh, but it just, it's just crazy, man. I just think, it, I think it's amazing that how far games have come and how, you know, when people talk about games getting adapted, I think the frustration isn't because, you know, when people say, oh, we don't need it to happen, I think it's because the story is that good 
for certain games, particularly this one, that you don't need to see it on a screen played out without you controlling it. No. Um, you don't need to see it with, with people with people who are actual humans. Yeah. It can be completely <laughs> yeah. made made by made by hand, mm. you know, in a in a computer and rendered mm. and the, the emotions are still exactly the same and exactly real. Yeah. They're just not real people. Um and if if you do not have a computer, you have no interest in any sort of computer games, but you want to experience something that will emotionally change yeah. you, go onto YouTube and just watch it as a, you can watch the game as a movie, and it's amazing. It's about nine or ten hours, so you could break up and watch it over a couple of nights. Fabulous. Yeah. Um, the story itself is is amazing. Yeah. And I think. And there's nothing else you can really say no, about I it. No, I think I think we've talked about it in the past as well. I think it was the first game for me that had a cliffhanger that I'd never really experienced, and I, I remember sort of finishing it and just, you know, probably like the rest of the world, just genuinely being absolutely rattled by. Um, by what I'd sat through. So, yeah, second round. Come at me, please. What I did was when I finished it, I just went right back to start and played it through Fucking again. Hell, mate. Because I didn't want I didn't want it again. <laughs> um, and I, as I got through the story, I started playing it less and less. So when I started playing it, I played it for like three, four hours at a time. Right. And then it got to the point where I was like, I'm just going to play an hour tonight, yeah. play this little bit, and then I'll save it. Because I didn't want it to end. I just wanted to savour it, you mm. know? And like all that, get all that that great gaming nectar and just but <laughs> and that's it straight in straight in mate so many so many eating comparisons this week um but yeah oh definitely i've not had my dinner that's oh. how I'm starving <laughs> starving um sorry mate well we, we will be as quickly as we can um we'll get on to next no no i'm not i'm not saying to push you right <laughs> but i also say is that these stories we're giving you for news are just one of the three stories yeah that we have covered that's correct. Over on the website. Um, you and you know that how difficult was it to pick May three out of all the news that's came out in the past week? Yeah, a fair bit, which is good because we've we we have said regularly like we're a bit worried that news is sort of slimming down a bit, but thankfully the stuff that is coming through um, is worth worth a worth a look. Uh, so it's like a fucking garden hose, <laughs> and I'm the dog standing in front of it. <laughs> Um, getting blown in the mouth but here. yeah for, for news and stuff you can head on over to rugal.co.uk you'll see all the news we've talked about this podcast and a bit more including um, Joe Russo shock horror is signing up for an extraction sequel we did not see that coming and a really good trailer for the King of Staten Island uh, is uh, has arrived um, from Judd Apatow starring Pete Davidson from Saturday Night Live which I'm really looking forward to have you watched that trailer yet? no I'm I'd it. recommend it man like I'm really excited for it um, but a nice little comedy to break from the routine that we're currently in but we'll go on to stuff that we've actually watched this week uh i i've got a little less a bit, bit less than you mate but what have you watched that's tickled your pickle so i only watched two movies right. this week um blast from the past mm-hmm. which we have talked about previously in the podcast and history of violence i say i say um, blast from the past two... you've you've talked about it more because you fucking love that film <laughs> i adore this movie and i went i finally got it through because the post's been slow because of you know things things and stuff the the issues and that and i finally got it through on my on on dvd because you can't get it on blu-ray for some reason don't know why stuck it in on a thursday night put it in and just you know after i went out and did my clapping and put it on and oh went back to the Simpler times, Simpler times. Brendan Fraser. Of 1999, mate. That film is 21 years yep. old. That's crazy. And Sissy Spacek and uh, Christopher Walton. Oh, and uh, Alicia Silverstone. Where did she go, man? Remarkably. Remarkable. 
Do you know, I, I actually think she's really good in that movie. And I, I mean, there's so many people you could say that about. Like, where did, they, where did these people yeah. go? Well, Brendan Fraser would be just, a prime example, know. man. Like, he's, I think he popped... Yeah, him as well. well he popped up recently um, on The Affair. It's like HBO's TV show um, with Dominic West and Ruth Wilson in as like a security guard. Apparently got really good praise for it. But like, this was his era of being... You know, he was quite the hot property. Like, you know, we had... He was the man. Yeah, we had that, that we had George of the Jungle, we had The Mummy and, and this. But, like, for those that don't know, Blast from the Past, what exactly is it about? So, Blast of the Past focus around a couple in the 60s, uh, at the height of the Cold War, sort of the Cuban Missile Crisis thing going on. Sorry, it's before the Cold War kicks off, yeah. actually. And they have a party... And the guy's a bit of an inventor, and he's actually built a full like nuclear bunker downstairs in his house. So it's confirmed the dad's Chris, the dad's um, Christopher Walken, yeah. The dad's Christopher Walken, the mum's sissy Spacek. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm saying that no, right, but correct me if, if I'm wrong. Um, and they uh, have a party. Christopher Walken gets cold feet, tells everybody to go home. He goes home, and then he goes downstairs with his wife. And as they go downstairs with his wife, a jet's flying overhead, has engine trouble crashes into their house and destroys it all so Christopher Walken thinks that the world's coming to an end and it's like fallout Armageddon up, upstairs <laughs> so he lo- locks the doors with a timed thing uh, sort of timed fuse on it for 30 years so and at the time his missus is pregnant so they give birth to little Brendan Fraser bring up Brendan Fraser and everything's 60s from then on it's essentially fallout the game the, the movie <laughs> Except the fact is that the nuclear holocaust didn't happen. You know, it was just a plane crash. So they they bulldoze the house. They build a bar over the top of it, and then it's you know Brendan Fraser decides we need to go back up. The doors have reopened. He's thirty at this time, and then he goes up to basically find provisions for his mum and dad, and then also he wants to find a wife. And it's very much this kid who is fish out of water, and he's been raised in the sixties and is all very prim and proper. Yeah. Um, mostly, <laughs> and then because there's one bit at the start that I won't go into that basically hasn't aged well at all, <laughs> and then <laughs> and then he meets Alicia Silverstone. They have a bit of a romantic thing. They go to a rumba club. You know this this like um sort of classic club it's like, like a one swing bar. Ask swing bar. That's the word I was looking for, man. Swing rumba. I'm not very big with the old. Uh, Dancing patter, sorry. With the old um, dancing. <laughs> the old dancing patter, I'm no I'm not doing me. I don't watch, you know. Um that thing. Strictly come dancing. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I strictly come that's it, strictly come my mom loves that by the way. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Anywho. Uh, Mate, so if I saw this he... on the back of a DVD case, I'd be like, fucking this is a long snops, isn't it? <laughs> oh my still might be doing a synopsis. No, anyway, basically basically they you know, it's all about him adapting to life and he doesn't understand how somebody could have a computer in the house and he doesn't understand you know what's going on in life and how to be in the the, the mad 1990s and yeah. so on and the so crazy forth. And futuristic world Alicia, of 1999 and Alicia Silverstone she's kind of a fish out of water as well because she's having bad luck with bad men and he's a nice guy but oh it'll never work but you know I'm not going to ruin the ending for you but it does work out and you know it's, it's, it ends we have a happy it's ending. very much like a proper classic sort of rom-com that we don't get anymore but like like we were saying yeah. Brendan Fraser is just he is like stupidly lovable 
um, which I think he nailed in that, like we said, in that era. Like George of the Jungle is very much, realistically, actually, when you put the two next to each other, they're very similar in terms of fish out of water situations. Um, and he was the lovable sort of, you know, the lovable sort of stocky idiot um, that for Blast from the Past, he's just really nice in. Um, and he's got great chemistry with Alicia Silverstone, who is massively sorely missed. I think I remember reading actually a piece a couple of weeks ago about how um, her in Batman and, Ro- Batman and Robin just completely changed the trajectory. She just wanted to stop acting after that. Um, so as well as killing a franchise... Batman and Robin changed changed a lot of trajectories. Yeah, as well as killing a franchise, it, it fucked her career up as well, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, just... That's what happens when you put nipples in the back suit. It's <laughs> going to change the flight path, isn't it? But I think... I think Aerodynamics, <laughs> that. I just... I remember watching it, like, as a kid on, like, on Sky Movies, and it just been a really nice little film. Um, and it also, re- for some reason, it struck me how tall Christopher Walken is in that. Oh, he's I huge, don't understand he? it, because now you look at him and you're like, oh, you are a tiny little man. Um, I don't really get what was you... going on, because if you put... You know, even, like, Sleepy Hollow, he's a giant man. Um, so I don't really understand what happened there, uh, but yeah, just really nice film, mate. I'm, I, and I'd lo- I love the fact that you've got stuff like you've got some absolute belter gory horror numbers in, on your DVD shelves, and then somewhere am- amongst the bees, you've got Blast from the Past. And this means war. Never forget. This means war. <laughs> no, never forget. Neither does Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy never forgets about this means Bre- war. Brendan Fraser actually his best movie, I think, is Airheads. Oh, Airheads yes. is a great movie. Adam Sandler and Steve Buscemi. Yep, yep, fantastic movie. Anyway, moving on to a movie that deeply disturbed me and I don't think I'll ever be able to watch Lord of the Rings ever again. <laughs> so you watch this as... History of Violence with Big Aragorn? <laughs> so you watch this as part of the Educating Rushy list. I did. And this... I wish I had <laughs> So this is very much... I mean, he's, you've mentioned Aragorn. This is definitely Viggo Mortensen's like, post-Lord of the Rings uh, sort of flurry of films that came out shortly after because he was undeniably like a hot, a hot name to snatch up. And I remember watching this... I mean, considering, you know, probably Lord of the Rings, you're looking at 1999, well, 2000s at least, 2002, I think, for Return of the King. So History of Violence wasn't too far around that era. Um, and that's about like a, a quiet, a quiet, timid um, uh, local diner owner who's played by Viggo Mortensen gets his joint held up and in a sort of heat... Like Tom Stoll. In, in, in a heat of the moment, sort of quickly dispatches the guys and ends up on the news and everyone or the whole town find out about him and as a result we found out about him and it's not definitely it's a case of not everything is 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 as it fucking seems is it no it definitely isn't and reading the title of that movie you don't know where it's going but that path that it went down i didn't think it was going to go down <laughs> right i'm i'm not gonna lie i enjoyed the movie okay. it was a lot more it was a lot more violent than i thought it was going to be for a movie called history of violence <laughs> i know it sounds stupid but given it had like Viggo Mortensen in it, I didn't think it was going to be as violent as it was. You know, the the scene at the start when he actually takes him out, sets up why. No, no, before that, when you actually see the two guys and he's like, "Oh, I had some problems with the maid and all that," and then he goes in and there's like the two people lying dead, and then the other guy goes in and shoots the kid dead, and you're like, "Okay, these two guys need to die." <laughs> That's fine, I don't mind. Don't mind how it happens. And then Vigo quickly does them in, and he's lying with his face all bust open in the the cafe floor after because he's had that. The, the glass picture put through his face and I'm like oh that's 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 graphic well it's worth mentioning but that like that's not the most graphic <laughs> thing in the film <laughs> Viggo Mortensen eating out a cheerleader Jesus man <laughs> that is 100% getting cut just saying I'm not cut that's not getting cut that needs to stay in what the fuck is going on with that movie <sighs> 
Um, right, okay. It's worth mentioning that um, it's directed by David Cronenberg, who's known for having a bit of an eye for pretty full-on stuff. So he did uh, The Fly and Crash, which is not the not the really nice um, Oscar-winning Crash with um, Tandy Newton and Brendan Fraser in and Sandra Bullock. No, Crash is... Another... Yeah, I was going to say Brendan Fraser. Yeah, Crash is... A... There's another Crash that's a bit dark um, that I... Not recommend. Is that the one about having like people who get off on crash exactly or something it, like that? Mate, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, David Cronenberg's a bit of a full-on director when it comes to certain things, and um, a history of violence has some fairly full-on scenes. Um, what did you think? That's the plate. What weapon. did you think though, as a whole, in terms of like you said, you didn't see where the story was going. So the cast is ridiculous because you've got Viggo Mortensen. Ed Harris and William Hurt, who would you believe me at the time was nominated for Best Supporting Actor in that film? What with his length, what with his lengthy performance of ten whole minutes of screen time in it? Yeah, I, I don't think a ten minute. <laughs> I think you need to be in it for more than ten minutes to, to more than ten minutes to win yeah. it, it. That's the kind of that's the, the rule. I'm pretty sure. Um, that's the that's the really cool. I, all I'm going to say is if that's the standard, I'm glad we're not doing some Cronenberg stuff. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I've seen I've seen the fly, and the fly's brilliant. But I'm just it's a good movie. I just didn't. There wasn't really any like A, B, C. It just felt like he went right. I'm this guy. No, I'm actually this guy. He dealt with Mad Bomber Harris, mm-hmm. and then he went and thingied. He went and did whatever else he did in the movie. That I don't really want to give away because people might want to watch yeah. it, but. So, but all all's well that ends well. You know, just I think I think there's some. It, it didn't seem as if I had much of a journey. I think there's some interesting elements of it because I think the idea of what someone is willing to do to sort of bury their past and how it unfolds and how it affects the people around that person, because basically the the the, the big hoo ha is how Viggo Mortensen's character takes these guys out that are trying to hold up his diner, and it's like right. Why? Why did you do that? And there's a great line from Ed Harris of when he he sort of starts to follow the family essentially, and he speaks to Viggo Mortensen's wife and says, "Why don't you ask Joe why he's so good at killing people?" And you're like, "Right, okay, what's going on?" And then you know the thread start mm. slowly starts to get pulled. But not only that, it's a case of his son looks, you know, all of his family look at him in a completely different light. Mary Bello, there's, you know, like you say, there's, there is a moment, like a, there's, a, there's a sex scene in it where she's basically says, that's the last time you'll ever have me, ever. Because you're not the person that I thought you were. And also his son looks at him in different lights to the point that it affects him at school where he goes to school and he's being bullied. And it's like, well, if my dad took down a bully, I can do the same and it would be perfectly yeah. acceptable. And it's like, it is that real battle within the family of going what if one of your one person that you've always known turned out to be someone completely different what what effect does that have i mean have? it's nothing to do with the fact that you know they were shagging on the stairs like who how's that comfy Good god man um <laughs> i'm just saying um that looked sore wooden stairs it's a, it's a no for me that would be the first and last god. time okay. vigo go to your bed no dinner Anyway, if I can just go back to the point I made, right? right? Okay. Although I said there wasn't much of a journey, I did enjoy it. And from the points that you've raised, I would, yes, I would agree with that. Um, and that it was good to see how relationship changes. And the other relationship that was really good was the one with the sheriff. 
and that he wanted to know the truth. And then it's how does the how does the relationship between the husband and wife play out in front of other company yeah. and that sort of that sort of dynamic. So the, I mean, I'm not saying it was bad, and it's not. It's certainly not bad. It's a good movie, mm. but it just. I, I think I just wasn't really prepared for what I was going to watch. <laughs> well, and mate, I liked it. I think then when I when I started watching it, I was like, "Jeez." <laughs> I think though, mate, I do I do like to throw the odd curveball, um, and this is definitely one of those cases. Uh, so I'm glad, I'm glad, you know, you enjoyed it to a point. Um, I'd recommend Eastern Promises, which was the next Vigo Mortis and David Cronenberg team up. Uh, as that that right. includes a very interesting um, scene of uh, Viggo Mortensen as a Russian gangster being stuck bullet naked fighting two guys in a Turkish bath, um, which is something you don't see every day. But we'll we'll skip past that. I'm gonna go on to something that I watched. Fucking sign me up. <laughs> I'm going to also that was that was a, that was a a list uh, educating Russia from a listener. So don't you take credit what, for that? What was what history of violence or both of them? Yeah, oh, right. History of Violence was a was a was a a, a listen uh, a listeners. Oh, was it from the uh, uh, We Could Be Heroes sort of questions? No, it was just somebody had sent uh, had uh, sent me a tweet and I'd asked you know that I you know if I'm looking for something to watch had I seen this and I said no, and they they um, they'd mentioned it so thank you very much to it was Andy who, uh, a gentleman uh, who had had been talking to me on Twitter about it so thank you very much Andy. Cheers Andy. Um for not letting me watch Blood the Rings ever again. <laughs> See it in the same light. Um, He'll turn around and be like, for Frodo, I'm like, you can fuck <laughs> off, mate. <laughs> I'm not coming for you. Um, I, I'm going to go on to something I watched this week just because I've not watched it in a while. And I just completely forgot for some reason why this film hadn't ended up on my list for quite for, for as long as it had and I'd not seen it again. Um, was Copland um, from 1997. Now, mate, I'm gonna I'm gonna reel off this cast for you and see what you think of this, right? So Copland, directed by uh, James Mangold, who went on to do not only Ford versus Ferrari but also Logan and Three Center Humor with Russell Crowe and Christian Bale. So the cast for this: Sylvester Stallone, Harvey Keitel, Ray Liotta, Robert De Niro, uh, Robert Patrick, and yeah, so far that's the list. What what has that? Uh, I mean, do you need do you need any more? Do you need any more like? Um, <laughs> you sprinkle, are we sprinkling a Pacino over the top yet? Um, mate, to say this was out in 97, like, to get this cast together is was impressive, really. And for those that don't know, this was a film about... Um, it's it's set on a, on an, in a town in uh, New Jersey, which is essentially a whole community of policemen that work for New York City. Work in New York City, and they travel back and forth because this island essentially is their own sort of little suburbia but they all know it's they rule the roost purely because they are all police um and at the time the the whole community is is watched over by um sylvester Stallone, who's the the local sheriff and i'll be honest they they treat him like absolute shit like he's he's the night watchman like he does very little um he was going to be a policeman in his younger years but after a, a sort of a a brave act of heroism. He's actually ended up deaf in one ear, and as a result, didn't pass the test to get to get on the force. And he's seen as just like the joke round town. But then, after a, a late night and one of the one of the actual police officers getting into some trouble, and strings getting pulled and deals getting done, 
um, it all starts to spiral out of control and Stallone starts to sniff something out that's that's definitely not right. And me, I forgot how fucking great this film is, not only for the cast, as of like we've said, like it is ridiculous, but this is honestly, I genuinely think this is Sylvester Stallone's best performance he's ever done, ever. Yeah, there's some great, I was going to say, I was going to just echo what you said, there's some great performances within Copland. And it's a film, again, that I haven't seen in years, so I'll need to go, I I, I can't even properly remember the story. The only bit that I remember is Sylvester going mental with that shotgun. Yeah, he, um... As he's going up towards the car and he's just, he's just letting off rounds towards that the, the, the well it's car. just I think what's impressive about it is for one whoever besides the list that I reeled off half the cast in it are from the Sopranos um, there's quite a few people in there and to say I think this is like one of James Mangold's obviously like I say earliest sort of bit, bits of work and it's just mad how he sort of propelled from there um, so from Copland, he went on to do uh, Girl Interrupted um, with Angelina Jolie and Winona Ryder, which is a really good film. I recommend it. Then he, you know, from there, a couple of years later, he ended up doing Walk the Line, the Johnny Cash biopic with Joaquin Phoenix. Just took the words right out of my mouth. I was about to say, I'm not somebody who knows names of directors and goes, "Oh, I he did yeah. that very well," unless it's like somebody that's really yeah. big. Walk the Line is a fabulous movie. Mate, would you and- believe I've never seen it? You've never no. seen it, mate. Watch it. I love it. I've I've seen I've seen I've love seen it. Walk Hard, which is the spoof of Walk the Line. If you've seen that, which is fucking hilarious. No, I've not, I've not seen <laughs> it's that. It's a really good film. Um, but yeah, three ten. I'm a I'm a serious film <laughs> film person. Oh, yeah, obviously. Um, but then like yeah, three cents of humor, and then um, eventually going on to do like Wolverine and, and Logan, which was a game changer for comic book movies. And now we talked about a while back how he's he's being eyed to do the next Indiana Jones. But like Ford versus Ferrari or Le Mans sixty six, depending on where you are, is just an absolutely brilliant film, and that's I think that's why I went back to watch Copland. Um, but this was his second film that he did, and it's just mad that he got that many names together, and such just a really great little film. I, I think the plot it's mad. The plot's one. a bit ropey in places. Like it is a matter of um, people being in the right place at the right time, which I, I, I did struggle with. But it was just Stallone's very much like if I know you've said you don't you don't particularly like Rocky, but if you go back to that particular performance of sort of the silent stocky type who who is used to being trodden down on and then essentially just snaps and, and says, No, I'm you know, I've had enough. Um it's it's just a really good turn from him because he I think we forget that you know, as much as we talk, you know, we we've talked about Demolition Man and how he, he was undeniably like the one of the action men of the nineties. But he he did what Schwarzenegger couldn't do, which was where every so often could do a serious film. Um, you know, Rocky to say he wrote he wrote and starred in Rocky, which is ended up getting him an Oscar for it. And when you look at that particular performance, he, he obviously hammed up a bit further down the line in the franchise. But then when you look at films like Creed, where he was very, he's he, he, it's channeling that sort of character, that, that sort of um, ability that he has of, of saying very little and carrying quite a lot in how he looks and how he presents himself. And he's just got such a presence in Copland where you really feel for him. Like it's one of the few, it's one of the few films you see him in where he was like, the unstoppable action hero in this it's like he's broken something's done you know he's got past issues that never got resolved and and this is how he carries it and you know to stay to 
to share the screen with the likes of Nero and Harvey Keitel and Ray Liotta. Like Ray Liotta particularly is really fucking good in it. Um, but I'd I'd really recommend watching it if you can hunt it down. Um, just because it's just. I think I'll need. I think I will need yeah, to. It's, it's, um, a, it's, a, it's a movie I haven't seen in Donkey Show. Yeah, it's a special little film. I'd I'd recommend it. Um, I think it's actually the first movie I seen that was a fifteen certificate on terrestrial telly when I sat with my wow. dad and watched it. When it was on like film, I think it was on one of the first films. It was on film four. Right. Okay. Um, I see. I see. We remember that kind of very vividly, but um, cause it came out in nineteen ninety seven, didn't it? Yeah. So that that would have been I would have been eleven at that point. So you know, certainly not the kind of movies you should watch that <laughs> one. But what can I say? I seen Predator and was like eight, so it doesn't really matter. Anyway. But yeah, one thing as, as well, what I've just remembered as well, mate, I wanted to mention, um, because I've, I've started watching it again, I gave up a while ago, but I, I've got back into, um, it's not on the our, our to-do list for today, but I've started watching Castle Rock again, and I think I mentioned this a while ago. Um, do you remember me talking about this? Have I spoke to you about it at all? I do, yeah. I do. You have, you have spoken a little bit. So yeah, um, Castle Rock, for those who don't know, is a TV series that you can get on the Stars Channel. Uh, if you get it through Amazon, they were doing a deal a while ago, and it was like 99p for three months. So I snatched it straight up, and I started watching it um, again. And it's a series produced by J.J. Abrams, and it's a set in a in essentially Stephen King's universe and linking various different characters together all in this one town of Castle Rock, who that's constantly mentioned through his books and is like located in Maine and stuff. And the series starts off with the warden of, it's like set in present day, but the warden of Shawshank prison um, kills himself for reasons unknown. And one of the guards uh, after the, after the death finds what this warden has left behind and made just a really clever, creepy little series that I've started watching. We talked last week about how, I love the fact that HBO and various other channels are, are really leaning into horror. And Castle Rock is not necessarily horror, but very much supernatural. Um, but it's just so clever how many different elements of other Stephen King stories are all sort of intertwining in this little town. Um, like I say, that it's mentioned of Shawshank, yeah. and there's a girl in it that at the moment she's it's not it's not been confirmed, but she's definitely got the shining, and she's got the shining. She's got the shin in. But then it's got it's got appearances from the likes of like Sissy Spacek, who's of course Carrie, um, is in it, and Bill Scar Skarsgard, who's Pennywise in it, he's in it. Um and from my understanding, the second season, Annie Wilkes from Misery turns up. And the so far the first season I've just we've just um, been introduced to Diane Jackie Torrance, who is the niece of Jack Torrance from The Shining. Right. So it's just really cool little bits, man, and it's just quite clever. Even the yeah, really clever. Like even the first episode, um, they they're just so clever with and careful with how they drop little morsels in. So like one character's been going over old newspaper clippings, and he sees a report of a of a, a bloodthirsty dog that's run wild, which is obviously Cujo. And one woman's ended up in um end up in this abandoned cabin with all the kids that look like they've just walked out of pet cemetery. It's just for a Stephen King fan, which I'm not. I'm not going to say like I'm a diehard Stephen King fan, but I, I've read enough to know what's what, so that when little things get mentioned, I'm like, oh, that's cool. Um, but just that's as a nice series, nod. yeah, yeah. Just as a series as on its own, though, it's very good. I'd recommend watching it. And I don't know if the the deal with Amazon's still kicking about, but if it is, um, feel free to get involved because it's it's quite good. I, currently, there was only two seasons. It wasn't cancelled, but there hasn't been a season uh, for quite some time. 
and I think obviously with the with the current situation, it's been put on hold a bit. But definitely get stuck in if you can. Um, yes, that that gives people who are listening quite a good, you know, quite a good sort of barometer of stuff to watch this week. If you've got three three good movies, one to keep you make you laugh and make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside, two that are a bit more adult orientated, and yes. then a, and then something creepy to watch over a couple of nights. You know, perhaps yeah. your two for Tuesdays or your you know Friday night takeaway. Yeah, I've been advised. Yeah. It's it's funny with what I've been watching with with Castle Rock. The, the regular request is to put like something a bit more light hearted on at the end of it before bed because you don't want to be thinking about that before uh, you start to doze off. Um, nah, but, I don't mind that. <laughs> Doesn't bother me. I can go to bed straight after anything, and I'm I'll be fine. Oh, I'm rushing. I'm really hard. Um, <laughs> um, we'll talk about what we both watched though this week because following on from last week's uh, viewing of Jewel, which was Steven Spielberg's first film. Uh, we then went on to um, Sugarland Express, which we watched this week, and yep. c- coincidentally, neither of us have seen this. And mate, what did you what did you make of it? So break down well, the plot if you can for folks. Yes. Yeah. So first, just to kind of go over the, will we go over the the, the kind of new format first? Oh yeah, go on. Of, of, yeah, so the new format for this is that we're going to go over the Steven Spielberg films we haven't seen. Um, we feel between the two of us that we could talk, you know, to the cows come home about Jaws, Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park, and everybody be like, "Yeah, I know, mate, I've seen it." So what's the fucking <laughs> point? Yeah, yeah, it's great. Uh, shark goes ah nah 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 nah, and then you know, it looks a bit ropey when it jumps up in the boat, and and that's about it. You know, it's it's a good it's a good movie. You know, whatever. But these might be the movies that people haven't seen, so we're going to go over them. We're going to talk about them. We're going to tell you a bit more. And we're just gonna generally, you know, chew the fat over chew the fat and and link them in song films, link them into the rest of his work because from what I'm seeing, and we've only watched two movies, it's a lot of links, a lot of things going on. Joining the dots, mate. Lot of like Zodiac. I'm joining all the dots, girl. (laughs) You've got red string all over your walls of being like, oh, this is from that, and that's from that. (laughs) Yeah. Um. So. It's um, Sugarland Express as follows uh, husband and wife husband's in uh, a pre-release uh, prison so it's kind of minimum security from what it looked like it was very very minimum security um, mm. and they've had their baby taken off them and they want to go and get the baby so they break the husband out of jail and they go on a sort of tirade across Texas to get the baby back. Would you say that's a, a fair that's sort of pre- short synopsis? No, that's pretty accurate, mate. Um, they also end up having half of fucking Texas following them as a result. Uh, I, much like, like, we, for the past few weeks, obviously, we've had plenty of show, well, plenty of episodes where Rushy's not seen um, certain films, and I'm, on the rare occasion, uh, I hadn't seen this at all. I'd seen Jewel many, many moons ago, and I'd heard about this, but never actually got down to 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 watch it. So, you watched it last night. I watched it literally probably a couple of hours before this podcast. And what did you take from it, man? Because I think there's so many little interesting things um, to, to to sort of pin on. For one, like I think it's drastically different from Jewel in terms of the subject matter that it deals with, because. Jewel was very much like a thrill ride. And I feel to say, whilst this is like a, almost like a, a chase movie, 
it feels quite a steady one. Would you agree, or do you think what did yeah. you get from so, it? So what what I felt was Joe was very much sort of Hitchcockian thriller sort of thing, chase movie, whereas this was more. It is based on a real story, apparently. Um, yeah. Whether they've changed multiple parts of it, I don't know, but um, it was so the more biggest like the, chase the, across Texas. Yeah, the biggest factor about it was with the Sugar um, Sugarland Express is that whilst the film sort of spans days, the actual um, chase and hostage situation, because what happens is the couple ended up actually taking a police officer hostage, uh, like a yeah, essentially like a traffic warden or a patrolman, um, a deputy, and yeah, and the um, the film spans days where the original thing was just a couple of hours, and that's yeah, so that's the ins and outs of it, and. It ends, you know, tragically the same way. We won't spoil it, but certain situations happen. But I think that was one thing that stuck out for me is that it ended on the note that it did. What about you, mate? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the major notes I've made is that this is probably one of the few Spielberg films I have seen which ends on a downer. Yeah. Um, Or a downbeat note, as you would say, mm-hmm. uh, in a more sort of um educated circle. Rather yeah. than a downer, um, <laughs> it, it's it's an it's an odd movie as well. And that I I kind of was watching it going, Texas police must be awful lenient because they're they're just following this car and letting them get away with, with anything. Whereas I would have thought they would have turned into Swiss cheese by the time they reached the first stoplight. Yeah, I don't know whether that's just me being conditioned by movies later on down the line. Yeah, but the amount of police cars they had. And they might have like <laughs> people are following them, and I'm just like, and they're letting these people stop for fried chicken, and they're letting them do this, and they're letting them do that, and I'm like, what's going on? Like, well, I think I think the the one thing to take away from it that I got strong vibes from is that Spielberg seemed like he was trying to make his own Bonnie and Clyde film of these this or a modern day Bonnie and Clyde in particular. Yeah. Like the fact that you see this couple that have the very best intention ultimately, they just want to put their family together again, and as a result, when they clocked on the media and, they, and the news sort of gets, people get wind of the news of this particular couple that are on the run and all they want is to get their baby back is put in social, uh, social services, they essentially are seen like a new Bonnie and Clyde so that when they stop off in certain towns, people are flocking around the car to provide them with stuff. They're almost famous, they, yeah. Yeah, they essentially, yeah, they're almost famous. They're getting their 15 minutes of fame and the cost is a lot greater than they expected. Um, I think the the heart of a you know the, the sort of heart of a Steven Spielberg film is definitely there and it's a contrast from Jewel which is you know for the limitation the limited sort of story that it was of a man being chased by a homicidal truck is drastically different what I thought was interesting was you've talked about the train of patrol cars that are after them slow the chase down as a result and it's very much the opposite of what Jewel was it's not it's not this high intense um, thrill ride that we essentially got used to Spielberg providing. Um, yeah, it's not faster, faster. It's no, slow and <laughs> slowly, slowly catching monkey. <laughs> um, and I think I think it's very much like the 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 dynamic between the patrolman that gets taken um, and the the sort of husband and wife that have got like you know Goldie Horn. I just I think it was five years since she'd won an Oscar, and she went straight into this because. I think from what I can gather, the producers behind it wanted the, the, the female lead to be a very much high-level star 
and from what I've read, Spielberg was actually after John John Voight for um, the role of the escaped convict. Um, and after a meeting with him, John Voight was like, I don't particularly think I want a first-time director dealing with this, well, dealing with me. And it never happened. So they got um, Richard Thornburg instead. Yeah, um, who was, you know, well, and then like William Atherton for, for Clovis, who ended up being... You know that we all got we'll, we'll know him familiar as being the dick from Ghostbusters and Die Hard, um, yeah. and it's weird to see him in an almost compassionate sort of role, um, because I've just always had him in my head as a guy that was a bit of a tool, and in this he's I'm not going to say like he's got a heart of gold, but I think he's almost pulled into this situation that he he clearly protests from the beginning that he doesn't want to be. He's, he's reluctant for the idea. He's got four months left on his on his sheet to get out of prison. Does he really want to do this? And Lou Jean, like Goldie Horn's character, was so adamant to like, no, we're getting a baby back. We're this is what's going to happen. Yep. And that all builds up near the end. And obviously the payoff is, is quite harsh. And like you say, it's very much a downer. Um, I think if I really wanted to say, looking back at this and Jewel from last week, I would rather watch Jewel again. And I don't yeah, know if I'm you're in the same boat as me. But why I'm why do you same. think that? I think Joe was a lot more kind of... It was a very clear-cut, consistent story. Yeah. I didn't get the same thing from this. Right. Um, I, I felt that it, it, it was more... There was a lot more characters, a lot more going on. But the, the chase was... I mean, I don't know perhaps if it was the case that what I felt watching it was that these two characters felt, oh, we're, we can get away with this, we're going to be fine, we're going to get away with it. And everybody sitting watching it is going to be like, no, you're not, you're going to get caught. There's no yeah. way you're getting out of this. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and I don't know whether it was just perhaps because of the, the kind of the overtone of the downer at the end and, and the kind of the sort of grim reality that everybody who watches it felt for these people in that mm. we know they're not going to make out of this. There's no way you, with that amount of cars, you know, you've got uh, Texas Rangers after you. You've got everything. Yeah. You know, it's it's there's no way out, and it is a very sort of grim film. It's almost funny at the start of it when he starts calling them. Men- uh, does he say like mental individuals or mental cases? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah it gives yeah. him a, a you know like a twenty four nineteen or something like that. It gives him like a code. And he's like, we are not mental individuals, and you're like, well, you must be because this is the lens you're going to. And I think I texted yeah. you and say. That's I wouldn't be going to that length to to get a kid back. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's, I think what's interesting as well. The one thing that I picked up on um, is for one, going back to you know, it's it's essentially it ends on a realistic note, and like you've said, and I think what to to that expands in terms of the cast surrounding the film, the amount of real life people that Spielberg just picked up and was like, look, do you want to just be in this film? Can you just do this particular scene for yeah. us? To the point where, I mean, the first 20 minutes, the Texan drawl is so thick, I was like, I can't really comprehend what's going off or what's being said. <laughs> um, and I think it's interesting as well with regards to their desperation to get their kid. One thing that stuck out for me is every time you did see the child, the second it was taken out of the situation it was comfortable in, it wasn't happy. Yeah, it was you know, the, the family that it's been left, that the baby's been left with, are actually a good family. And... They say like we're going to bring up the best. We're going to bring the like the little baby up as best we can, and it's going to have a happy life. And da da da. And it's like right. So you're almost against this couple from getting what they want. From day dot. 
Yeah, yeah, because um, it's not it's not the interest of the kids. I, I feel, and I think it's echoed quite nicely in that the, it is very self centered. I need my child back. I I need my kid back. Yeah. And then when they go to that town, and she's in the town, and she starts seeing that people are giving her stuff, and she says to that woman, "Go in and get me this, yeah, oh, and this, and this." Yeah, you know, it feels almost like a me, me, me kind of situation, and yeah. that she wants, you know, it's what she wants. It's not what the kid wants at all. Mm. That's the kind of vibe I got from it. Um, I just think also as well, Jules in a fantastic movie, and and what I don't know, perhaps if we are over inflating it because it is sort of his first big movie, but it's it's fantastic, and yeah. I get I, I have a better connection with that. Um, I, think... I did a bit of digging on it, and what right, I was going to okay. say was, you know, you obviously had said um, about local people and stuff like that. I did yeah. digging, and basically that was down to. Uh, basically the, the budget they didn't have the money to employ actors and, and feed them and home them and so on and put them up so they just got local texas people like that helps uh a lot of the police cars were real police cars um it's it certainly shows spielberg being able to use lower budgets god he wouldn't need to do that now you know in terms no. of like the, the, the films money, he does he'd, have a, he'd have banks thrown at him really wouldn't he now um yeah he would have I... safes lining up <laughs> He'd <laughs> um, have like Scrooge McDuck money. I think, I think it's interesting as well that one quote I got from uh, Spielberg. He said that's in his career. That's the one film I can honestly say if I had to do it all over again, I'd make Sugarland Express in a completely different fashion. So that's I don't know to what capacity that will what that would be. Would it be the story? Would it be? That's kind of a know, tease, isn't it? It's kind of like yeah. teasing you to say like, well, oh, I'd do it differently. Well, how would yeah. you do it differently? You know, that's the yeah. most important part of it. God damn it, um, Stephen. Um, but you know I think as if like we're going back and like we said we're we're looking at his work and what he's done and how far he's gone you said you saw a lot of you know the classic Spielberg in Jewel Um, I think I can see parts of it in this but I don't know there's just something about it that it it undeniably screams first time director like and that's not and that's not like in detriment to him it's just it's just it's just something that it doesn't look like a Spielberg film. It doesn't feel like a Spielberg film, whereas Jewel does. And I don't know why that is. I think that's, I think Jewel was a film he was hungry for and he wanted to show this is what he was capable of with this much and a small, you know, a small, we, we said last week, very tight, no, you know, no fat on it story about a guy on the run and a thriller. And very much we said, it's Jaws on the road. And it's interesting to look at this to see Jewel, Sugarland Express, and the next film he would do was Jaws. And I feel like Sugarland Express was a film he needed. That was his point A to get to point B, which would end up. It was his stepping stone. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Oh, we just um, copied each other. That's real. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> um, but I think as well, I think as well, it's worth pointing out that another thing that doesn't stand out but it's interesting is this was his first collaboration with John Williams, who did the score for the film. And when you hear, you know, there's a, there is undeniably like a really nice score that accompanies this film, but to think, to hear this and then go, the next film they collaborate with was Jaws. It's just mad to think, you know, first time was a practice run almost. And second time is Jaws. And it's just crazy that, you know, the, the, wonderful sort of union these guys would have that would go on to to basically be the for many backbone moons of, yeah essentially be many moons be the backbone of both their careers where you know 
and I think it's interesting. There's also there was also some dispute over it because uh, Spielberg wanted very much like an orchestral umph to the film, which, as we know, for future films down the line, would really spark Spielberg films. And John Williams was like, "No, I want a, a, you know a Texan one, a Texan slow pace, steady steady score is what I'll go for, and that'll be the result." And you know, it, it, I think it works. But then the next dispute they would have is John Williams playing two notes for Jaws and Steven Spielberg going, is that it? And he's like, trust me, this will work. This is exactly what will pay off. Um, and but I think the score, in the, this, rest the, the score in this helps to reflect the movie that it is. Um, you know, it's a very, it's an isolated movie. It's just about three people in a car at the end of the day. Yeah. And that reflects not only the setting it's in, so Texas, you know, and, yeah. and that sort of thing, the, the harmonica that's used. Um, you're essentially just stealing parts that I'd mined myself when I was doing my investigating. That's not a problem, Nick. We're all about <laughs> Sorry, um, mate. It's alright. The other two parts that I did link, I did bring up, is that this is the first movie to feature a tracking shot in it that goes from this front to back seat in a 360 degree pan yeah. with dialogue still going. Which is crazy. And that was because they used a, a new, smaller version of a film camera that they could yeah. film within the car at the same time as filming the front and back seat. So it shows that he is very much, he's a new director, he's ahead of his time, he's innovating, which again, yeah. should show right the way through his career. Um, the other thing that I brought up was that it's a, a visual sort of shooting effect with uh, related to Jaws. So there's a scene where there's like a rifleman aiming at the hijacked car. There's a zoom tracking effect he uses where he compresses the foreground and background. Yeah. It was made famous by Hitchcock and Vertigo yeah. to like, you know, make out the guy give him his fear of heights as it were. Um so that's used in the following year when uh, Chief Brody is sitting on the beach and sees a young boy getting attacked by the shark. So that's Which the same is, effect. Yeah. And it's so I mean obviously that's the more iconic one. Um oh, oh, no, are you sure? Rifleman <laughs> pointing at the car, I think it's gonna be much more No, but do you know what I mean? I like you think that sort of I just think it's weird to to think that you know he tries something and goes, "Oh, that might work. I might use that down the line." And it turns out to be, you know, you you think of if some if you say someone if you say to a Jaws fan, the Brody shot, they know exactly what scene they're talking about. Um, and it's just mad that you know we've said last week how it's so interesting to watch watch a film from a director that would become, you know. One of the I've said it, and it's not it's not being over dramatic. He is one of the great storytellers of our time, and to see this gradual development, um, we've seen Jaws so many times before, um, but little things like this is like you're literally watching the the building blocks of what he'd become, and it's just I'm just really I'm really enjoying doing this, mate. To be honest, um, and how and how many times since Jaws have you seen people try to do it? Um, oh yeah, well, it's just plenty, plenty of times. I mean, I see on on twitter someone making a case for that movie crawl and i haven't seen it but that's the one with the 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 is it alligators or crocodiles i don't want to miss i don't want to miss um species them you know, in case they get offended and start <laughs> yeah, hitting me bad up on representation. The twitter. you know what i mean <laughs> giving them bad representation on twitter how dare you i've been a crocodile since my grandpa was a crocodile anyway um um an all right film mate not not brilliant but it's definitely no jaws 
And what, but then what how, ma- the... how many of them is yeah I mean you've got like all the other ones like the shallows and all that and to be yeah. honest you just look at them and go why would I watch that but I could watch Jaws do you know what I mean mate the shallows is alright you know surprisingly like I, I expected I didn't expect it to be as good as it is um, and you know that I, I, praise, I praise your opinion so but anyway we're, go- we're running long on this segment we are we are um, but like the shark way, and Jaws uh, so far Joel Better than Sugarland Express, but not. It's not really anything to sniff at itself. Still it's... didn't regret watching it. Still didn't regret no. watching it. I had a wee Jim Beam in my hand when I was watching it. Kids were in bed, and I thought, "Let's bang Now's on a classic." The time. Now's and, the time. Um, <laughs> so we've got. We we said before the podcast, we've actually got quite a few um, on the list now that we've. There's a few. There's a few that Rushy's put on there that I've seen. And, but there's a lot that I haven't seen. I'm very excited to get stuck into. Um, a little bit of mutual adventure here, a bit of yes, discovery. Yes, definitely, mate. Um, there's someone there that I just cannot wait for Rushi to watch because we sort of, I, you know, I've I, I said this I said this a while ago that like I love I love to I love you to watch a film for the first time and go. You love Shit. living vicariously through me, mate. You know, you, we did this with the Apes trilogy of like you saying like, how did I never see these films before this? Um, and there's and then so many screaming in yes about a hundred times. Yeah, I mean, just to tease, right? The fact you've never seen Minority Report, I cannot wait for you to watch that film because oh, I'm already just... waving my hands a bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we've got we're going to sort of deviate next week um, from Spielberg because uh, there is an anniversary for a particular film um, that we're not going to mention because I'd rather it just be sort of dropped in next week as a surprise. We'll just drop it. We just drop it in, um, but you know, hopefully. And you, you could say you're going to have to tune in because otherwise, are you not entertained? Uh, if you're not entertained now, then you never will be. Um, but exactly. yeah, we'll be definitely mentioning that next week. Um, dude, now where's my car? Now is the time. <laughs> now is the... <laughs> you twat. Now is the time for something that um, has been. On the back burner for quite some time. It's been off the lit. It's been off the rundown for a couple of weeks, but it's back, much to Rushy's frustration, because Make this me week, an idiot and... time. No, no, we're not. Because this week, ladies and gentlemen, it's a brand new round of We Could Be Heroes. Cue the music. So, for those that don't know, uh, We Could Be Heroes is a brand new game that I invented because I was just really bored, and it is uh, what I've done is taken plots from certain films and replaced the characters' names with characters from other superhero films that those actors have played. So in the event of Lex Luthor... Give them an example, yep. For Lex yep. Luthor getting take, taken to court by Spider-Man, that is, of course, the social network. So that's that's the taster of what that's we've got. That's the premise we're working with, and I get none of them, and then I have to have an I have people having angry fights with me and my best friends falling out with me all because I can't make out a movie based on people, right? Well, Let's just go. Let's go. I've, I've, so I'm just, bear with me say, I'm just going to go through the list, right? And Because we've, we've, what the great thing about this is films that you haven't seen on this list bleed into Educating Rushi. But I have, I can honestly say, there's some easy ones, there's some hard ones. Um, right, okay. Don't get angry with me if you'd be like, that's too hard. But the first one, I guarantee you have definitely seen this film. Are you ready? Right, go, 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 go. Number one. Alfred gives Nick Fury the runaround, driven by a man in a vest. Alfred, so that'll, so that'll be... Um, oh, I return of the uh, 
thingy music as well by the way weakest link <laughs> just drop the Anne Robinson right but no <laughs> anyway uh, Alfred uh, is so, Al- so Alfred Alfred is going to be Michael Caine nope not necessarily right okay so Alfred would be oh uh, is it Jeffrey Rush nope no, no Jeremy Irons mean? Jeremy Irons. Irons, that's it. Jeremy Irons. And Nick Fury's obviously Samuel Jackson. Yeah. So, driven out by a man in the vest. I don't know. Oh! <laughs> die Hard for Die Hard for a Vengeance. Yeah. Well done. It just took a minute. It just takes a second for the ball to click through my head and the, the, the hamster to get on the wheel and start up. And then there you go. And I'm like a man in a vest. Is there another <laughs> vest on him that he's got a shirt on? <laughs> there you go, straight away. First one, in with a bullet. Well done, mate. Right. Number two. Right. Deadshot's life gets hacked. Lex Luthor helps. So that's um Will Smith. Okay. Now very Le- keep in mind there's been various Lex Luthers. Kevin Spacey. Nope. Uh Lex Luthor would be the other dude. Um, Jesse Eisenberg? Nope. Oh no, I don't know the... You do, mate. You've but if he gets his life, is it enemy of the state? Oh, well done! <laughs> Just because he gets his life hacked, I'm thinking... Gene Hackman, of course, is in enemy of yeah. the state, who plays... Gene Hackman, yep. Yeah. I couldn't Lex think Luther of the name. in the original Superman. Yeah. Yep, there I get you it, go, I get mate. it, I get it. I'm just, for the, I'm just saying for the fans, Let's mate, just keep in going. In they don't know it. Oh, he's on a rush. He needs to get him out of the way. Right, okay. That's why he's just calling me rush shit. So this one, this one, I hope you get. Right. Right. Spider-Gwen gets a new car. Stings a little. I don't know who does the voice of Spider-Gwen. Just think, just think, Spider-Man get, Spider-Gwen gets a new car. Is it Bumblebee? It is Bumblebee! Because <laughs> he said Sting's a little. Mate, but I, three I three. haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. Mate, you know what? Might actually wash the taste of shit Transformers films out of your mouth, because it's actually really good. I heard that. I heard that it's really, really good. good. And it actually kind of flattens the curve, to use that terminology. It certainly does. Um, I, think it's on, I think it's on Sky. Give it, give it a look. Um, the next one. <laughs> Jane Foster needs some milk. Commissioner Gordon needs some coke. Right, okay. Uh, Jane, Jane Foster, Foster needs, needs some milk. She needs, needs some, some milk. milk. <laughs> right. So, see when you repeat the line, it doesn't help, right? Sorry, mate. And what was the what was the other one? Jane Foster Commission- and then Commissioner Gordon needs some coke. So that that's Commissioner Gordon as um, Gary Oldman. Correct. And Jane Foster, as we talked about her recently, come on, you can do this. Jane Foster as I've forgotten her name. You have been, um, come on. Queen Amadala. I know, I know. I know it's Queen Amadala, you don't need to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> um fucking uh, oh why have I got Emily Blunt stuck in my head? Um, fucking uh, Natalie Portman. Yes. Yeah. Right, okay. Na- 
No, I'm not. My hands are up at my head. Can you not hear me? Can my voice went all squishy? Um, so, Natalie Portman, Gary Oldman, she needs milk. Oh, Leon! Well done! <laughs> yes! Yes! Four for four so far, well done. Get outside your front door and clap for me, bitches! <laughs> right, number five. What happens if I get these all right? Are we just going to stop doing the game? No, you're just doing really well. What does I want to tell you? Roger Um uh, <laughs> number five. Gamora looks a little blue. Oh, I don't know who that is. Um, I know you've told me who Gamora was before, but it, and there's a movie that she's in that I really like as well. Um, I don't know. About it. Just think it. Well, you don't need to know the name. Little, you know her. A little blue. So imagine. Just imagine. She looks a little blue, mate. A little blue. Smurfs. No. <laughs> they've been. They've been called that. It's Avatar. Oh right, well, I didn't know she was in that, so I had no chance of getting that. Really? Avatar's. Avatar's. A film I've only seen once, so. Right, fair enough. Oh. Didn't rate it. Well. You fucked anyway, so it doesn't matter. You jinxed it. You spoke too soon. What if I get more right? You fucked it. Right. Listen, listen, right? Just you cam it, right? Number six. Right. Bullseye misses the mark and goes on holiday. Right, so Bullseye's Colin Farrell. Yeah. Is it in Bruges? It is in Bruges. Well done. Yes. <laughs> That's the only film I know that Colin Farrell goes to a different country. <laughs> it was originally Bullseye Misses the Mark and, get, and and almost gets bottled, but I didn't want to. I didn't want. I thought I'd just go a bit easier. I don't um, think I've seen that in Bruges. I think I've seen. You've never seen in Bruges. Film that's like it. No. You'd fucking love in Bruges. Is that going on um, the list? That's a hundred percent going on the list. Did did we talk about three billboards? Have you seen that? No, we've never talked about. Put three billboards on the list as well. Same director. Um, okay. One particular listener will be buzzing about that because Three Billboards is a fucking great film, as is In Bruges. In Bruges is again from the inside of Rush's head. Uh, right, okay. So, what are we on? Number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, seven. Right. If you were Black Mask. How many have I got right? How many have I got, got right? You've got five right so far. Five, right, okay, out of seven. Okay. Oh, you're on seven now. Five out of six. Right, five out of six. Okay. Well, if I get this one right, I'm going to have a Fredo, right? Because I. I, I <laughs> right, go. If you were Black Mask and your dad was the Joker, you'd have daddy issues too. Right, so Black Mask is Ewan McGregor. Okay. The Joker, Jack Nicholson. Yes. You'd have daddy issues too. I don't know what movie you're the two of them in it. They're not necessarily. They're not necessarily in the same film. Uh, okay, you've confused me now. So, but they are in the same movie. But is this they one are, movie we're talking about? They are. I can't. I can't tell you because if I tell you, you'll get it straight away. But just really think about it. So think of a film where you McGregor had a dad that was Janet Wilson. 
we've we've talked oh, about God. we've talked about the we've talked about the particular character actually this very podcast I've spoken about it. Oh, is it Doctor Sleep? It is Doctor Sleep. Hold on. <laughs> Fuck! I was sitting going like that, like what, like. I don't understand, and I'm not. I'm not actually. I meant to sit down and watch Doctor Sleep, and I got about ten go. minutes into it, and then the kids decided to have an absolute Balinese-style riot, and I had well, to go and sort that out. I definitely put that. But it's on me. the list. No, it's on the list already. Just haven't right. got it yet. I'll get there. Okay. I'll get there. Next one. Lucius Fox looms over Charles Xavier. What more could you want? So that's. Um... Charles Xavier's Patrick Stewart. You've got um, Morgan Freeman. No, Lucius Fox. I don't know who else plays Lucius Fox in. No, wrong person. Other other character. You were wrong about the other character. Alright, okay. So, Morgan Freeman and what's his face? Um, no, I've got. Don't, don't, don't distract me. It's, it's in my head. I'm just, I'm just trying to pass it from my brain to my mouth. Right, just give me a minute. Right. Um, it is James McAvoy. Yes. And I can't think of a movie with the two in it. I'll, I'll say it again for you. Lucius Fox looms over Charles Xavier. What more could you want? No, I don't know. It's wanted. Oh, right, you ever okay. seen Wanted? You ever seen Wanted? Yeah, I have seen it. Yeah. Maybe I'm just trying to get it out of my brain. To, to, to... Are you not a fan, mate? No, I don't really rate it that much. Yeah, it's alright. Alright, two left. Two left. Okay. Oh, I get it because it's in a fucking mill as well. Looms, right? Yeah. Okay, I get it. Right, okay. Fair what, what, mate. what more could you want, eh? Oh, Jesus. Right, okay. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Steve Trailer. Definitely Trail- having that fucking Fredo. Come on, right, Steve Trevor. <laughs> I'm trying. Steve Trevor is warped. Doctor Strange has a secret. Dread is one thing and nothing else. Right, so Dread is going to be. Fuck, uh, Carl Urban. Right. And Carl Urban, and then. What else did you say? So. Steve Trevor is warped. Doctor Strange has a secret. That's Chris Pine. Yeah. It's Star Trek. Which one? Into Darkness. Yes, well done. Steve Trevor's <sighs> warped, you see. Hey. Yeah, see. Ah, uh, yeah. See, I, I see what you did there. Right. Okay. Uh, Dread on. is one. Dread is one thing and nothing else. He's a doctor, not a whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, last one. All right. Come on, finish Robin, strong. Robin has a dream. Venom's is bigger. <laughs> oh. Oh, easy. <laughs> didn't didn't realise what that sounded like until I just read it out loud. Right, hey, 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 hey. Right, so Venom is Tom Hardy. Yes. And Robin could be... Oh, it's uh, just because of the line, I've just remembered it. I'm too busy thinking about who the people is. But it's Inception, isn't it? It is Inception. Don't be afraid to dream a little bit bigger, darling. Which is a line that I've told many a lassie over the years. <laughs> wow. Um, mate, you've done all right there. You've got 8 out of 10 there. Fucking right, I have. 8 out of 10. Not bad, not bad. 8 out of um, 10. So, yeah. Um, good round, mate, good round. You're actually you're improving. This is a nice Crushed little... Crushed it. 
crush that. Nice little, will he get a clean slate, folks? Will he get a clear ten out of ten in the coming in the coming weeks? Never. We can only wait to find out. Um, but mate, I think that little success story is a good note to leave it on. Um, and this is this is where we lead up, we, we part ways for the week. So, unfortunately, yeah, it's one of those things. Until we talk and work <laughs> over the internet webs. Yeah, because we definitely don't do it at working hours. Um, folks, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe to us on, on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud to get in touch each week. And also, be feel free to give us a little rate and review if you'd be so kind. Um, also, be sure to follow us on Twitter. They can find Rushy at Rushy Only. And you can find me at Nick Stanforth or the fountain of filmic knowledge that is at Real Good UK, which is linked to our website, realgood.co.uk, where everything we've talked about will be found on that very website and a whole it's lot more. It's there for you, like a buffet. It's there like a buffet. It's all set out for you. It's ready to go. Just grab a plate and grab, loosen your you... waistband and get ready. Mate, mate, you've gone to a buffet. What's your dream thing on the buffet that you want to go for? Oh, and is this buffet just anything? Could be anything. It's anything. If you if you go to if you think of your typical buffet and you're picking something off the table, what's got to be on a buffet to qualify as a really top notch one? Good, good sweet and sour chicken. There you go. We are the sweet and sweet sour, and sour chicken mm-hmm. of podcasts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Chef um, kisses for days. <laughs> I've just realised. Oh, that's got to hurt. I'm just going to throw it in there. It's Sylvester Stallone getting shot in the ear in Copland because. Rushy. Oh, that's good. We've been real good. We've You've been wonderful. Take care. See you next week. Bye-bye, everyone. Right, everyone. See you later. Time for the years. <laughs> 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 <laughs>